Hey everybody, this is Chris Morgan, and before I air today's uh, episode, this episode was obviously recorded uh, before I dropped some news um, over the weekend um, about my almost 15-year-old Yorkshire Terrier. Um, I talked about her on the previous podcast. Um, when I say previous podcast, the other podcast I did with Kevin King called HMMAT, the podcast. Back in March of uh, 18, she was diagnosed with congestive heart failure at that time. And at that time, she was put on uh, two to three different types of medication for congestive heart failure. And most dogs can live three, four, sometimes even five years if they're healthy. And, um, over the course of the last year, little Maddie, um, just started to develop uh, blindness and hearing loss. That was the first thing. And we started noticing, uh, little cognitive type things. And, um, after my vacation back in April, um, I came back, she was staying with grandma, which uh, grandma loves her, she loves grandma, loves grandma's house, but uh, I noticed when um, I came to pick her up, she didn't, she didn't know who I was, and, um, and normally she would greet me at the door, there was none of that, I noticed that her blindness was completely blind at this point. And I was gone for 10 days, and so we pretty much watched her health tank in that 10-day time span. Um, I stuck my hand out to let her smell me, and it was like she was sniffing a stranger. She had no idea who I was. And um, then I got her home, and she had totally forgotten her entire house. Um, it's like she did not remember being in this house at all and to make matters worse um, some of the cognitive behavior was getting worse and worse and I mean she really took a nosedive in the course of the last month and a half uh, so I reached out to my vet and just I told my vet who has been with her since she was eight weeks old I told my vet I said listen I've never had to put an animal down before I've never had to make a hard decision every animal I've ever had has has been a tragic case and uh sorry guys i'm just pouring my heart out here i talk better than i write and i tried to write a post and i couldn't do it uh but i've always lost animals tragically i've never had to put an animal down before and um, I, I don't know when it's time. I am one of those people that firmly believe that your animals are your family. And uh, in many ways, they're your kids. 
and people that don't have animals or don't love animals like I've loved animals, um, they're not going to understand that, and that's fine. That's totally fine. Um, but for me, Maddie was not only super intelligent, um, at times it was almost like she would be communicating with me and if she had the vocal cords to talk she would um, she was litter box trained she was a Yorkshire Terrier 5.2 pounds uh, for the most part she got up to six at one point but she averaged about 5.2 um, she was litter box trained um, and she was purse bag trained so what that means is is you could put her in a messenger bag like or a guy messenger bag throw her in that um my wife for a number of years would uh put her in a purse um that was a, like a doggy purse and we could take her out to movies or dinner or anything of that nature and nobody would ever know that she was ever in the bag that's how um that's how well behaved and intelligent she was she loved going bye-bye you couldn't even you had to spell the words b-y-e b-y-e because if you said bye-bye she would go find the bag drag the bag um to different rooms to come find you to let you know she was ready um, she had so much love, so much, she was so full of life and I never in my life ever thought about getting a small dog like that, but, uh, I, I became instantly attached and becoming that attached that quickly, um, that attachment turned into a love that is unlike anything that you can ever describe for those that love their animals love their dogs love their cats um you know what i'm talking about and she was my best friend without maddie i i definitely would not have two kids now and I never would have married someone in my life. I was that broken. And I was that void of love and didn't want to get close to anybody. She taught me that. If you're broken, and like I said, as I was, they heal you in a way that you didn't know that you needed to be healed. And if you struggle to love, which I did, they show you how in the most tender and thoughtful way, unconditionally. All she did was love me in a way that softened my heart to allow me to love other people for the last 15 years. And she helped me become a better dad. After posting that album of her, throughout her years from when she was five up until she was about 14 uh, I'm sorry up until about 2014 uh, she uh, 
I looked at one picture when she was playing with one of her favorite toys and she was just took me back to a time of I remember the sounds I remember what she did and I broke and fell to the floor and sobbed uncontrollably uh, after posting that and looking at that picture I went upstairs and I picked her up she's still alive she hasn't been put down it's just the decision has been made just don't know when but I picked her up and I laid down to see if she would just at least for a brief second just cuddle with me and she immediately started licking my tears away and I closed my eyes and just for a moment pictured that she knew who I was and she continued to lick my tears away and even if she still doesn't know me as her master anymore due to her severe cognitive dysfunction problems she knows I'm someone who cares for her and loves her and calms her anxiety when the cognitive behaviors take over or she's having a really bad episode and she's really confused and scared she knows me in that way but she doesn't know me as daddy anymore and to watch that is so sad <laughs> she doesn't want to be petted anymore by me or my kids and for a dog that loved unconditionally and loved being in your lap in your presence being scratched being loved on she slept in my bed with me uh, to, for her not to want to do that breaks my heart if I carry her around the house which I do quite a bit she will at least allow me to love on her just a little bit and for the remaining time I have before I have to make the absolute hardest decision of my life I'll take it for those out there that are making fun of me right now listen to me cry fuck you I'm honest on this podcast, I share on this podcast, and I don't give a shit what anybody thinks of me right now. I really don't. This is real life here, this is real emotion, and this is hard. I wanted to record this, even though... I was afraid at first at what people would think when I did break, but right now I don't care. I wanted to record this because I couldn't put into writing what I'm feeling. The pictures told the story of various times of her life. If you scroll through her album on my uh, Facebook, you'll see her... <laughs> opening up presents she was trained how to do that she loved presents 
She looked forward to opening up everybody's gifts, every birthday, every Christmas. She got angel food cake on her birthday every year. She has been and will be always truly loved, never replaced. but held to the highest regard of what she did for my life. We got a mobile groomer coming by uh, in the next 45 minutes. It's going to give her her last haircut. And then I got to work out a time on... When will be the best time? And it's not going to be. It's never going to be a right time. But I thank you all for listening. And I hope you enjoy the Halloween 4 episode. And rest in peace, my little Maddie. I love you. You're listening to Halloween Unleashed. Ten years ago, on the night of October 31st, a small Midwestern town fell victim to an escaped killer. Ever since that night, no one has forgotten his name. And Halloween has never been the same. Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Maybe nobody knows how to stop it. Welcome to Halloween Unleashed. I am your host, Chris Morgan and Brandon Zachman. So we're doing the H4, uh, the, the comprehensive list of H4 masks. Um, so I figure we'll start it off with the hero. Um, the hero, obviously, for those who don't know, hero means the primary mask in the movie, screen used, the mask you see on Michael's face in the film. Um, the H4 doesn't really have a comprehensive answer to where it came from. Um, there's a few different theories, so I'll lay it out and then kind of see what what you subscribe to or if maybe you have any kind of inside information. Um, the first theory is that the, the mask was a, um, a converted 1983, the mask. Um, it seems that this is the more controversial. There wasn't many made of the 1983 mask. Um, and it seemed like this was an original, uh, originally what people thought it was. But there's a second theory that it was actually, they used converted tramers. They converted completely because the tramers from H2 were, weren't fully converted. They were still blonde, you know, had kind of a pinkish flesh tone. Um, so apparently there were several trainers used in the H2 production that were brought onto the set of H4 and supposedly that's what you see in the school scene when all of a sudden Mike's got blonde hair and a pink face uh, right before he gets sprayed in the face with the fire extinguisher. Um, They saw that and then they converted the masks and made them into what you see on screen. Um, There is no definitive answer, so let me throw it to you and see what you think or if you know or what happened. 
Um, I, I think if that, if that movie came out in 2018, 2019 versus 1988, we'd probably have a lot more answers to that. Uh, but considering it did come out over 30 years ago, um, and we don't have access to easy to find information the way we do in this day and age, um, I would be speculative um, at best. Um, I've heard all the same stories you have, and I've come to the same conclusion really is like, I I really don't know. So I I really don't want to comment on something that I I don't know for sure myself because that then that makes me seem pompous and arrogant and I'm just trying to pound my chest and acting like I know something when I really don't. So I don't know. I I, I think that they're all good theories. I think that, you know, and this is my opinion. So this is just my, I believe all that stuff that you're saying. um, But I also think that there's probably some kernels of, truth that nobody knows and has never been revealed and that's 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 my opinion because there are shots of the hero mask behind the scenes that does not look like a kirk at all so and i think that we've seen that that has been like i think that the first um the first crowfader mask that came out and we'll we'll probably cover it um, the first Crowfader mask that, that came out, yeah, it has a Kirk likeness, but a Don Post Tramer or 75 or an 83, it doesn't look like any of those. So, um, I don't know. It, it It's it's always been a, a really big mythology to me as to what a lot of that stuff actually was. See, the, the Tramer theory seems to be the most widely accepted, but Dick Warlock has gone on record and said that both Tramer masks burned during the production of H2. So I feel like that also that adds another wrinkle where it's just like, who the hell knows where this thing came from? Yeah, and again, you know, just like... Uh... Just like I was saying at the, at the very beginning of this you know, it's, it's all speculation and you get really in dangerous waters and territory when you start going down the road of speculation or what ifs type, type scenarios, because you end up inadvertently painting a narrative that people aren't really maybe paying attention to what you're trying to say. They're only hearing a story. And then now they're telling a, a, a friend of theirs, well, I heard on the Halloween Unleashed podcast that it was such and such. Well, no, if you listen to the whole part, it, it, I didn't say that, you know. So yeah, that's why I'm I'm kind of holding back a little bit. And you know, you know me well enough by this point that if I know something, I'm going to talk about it. But yeah. since I don't <laughs> know much about this, I, I'm just going to refrain to say these all sound plausible to me. Yeah, I mean, the jury's out, and that's probably a mystery we'll never get the answer to. But uh, it definitely makes for uh, an interesting story. Yeah. All right, well, as far as the indie masks go, it 
it wasn't quite as daunting as the H6 episode because H6, I feel like, has been done a thousand times. And there really isn't a whole lot of H4 replicas. Um, do you know? Do you know why that is? Is it just because it's not a popular mask, or yeah, because I, I mean, the hardcore collectors. Um, I mean, they're they're gonna at least have one of everything. Um, you know, maybe two if it's if it's really like good. Like for example, um, the Crow Fader eighty eight, and then the Damned eighty eight, and then the three eighty eight. There's three different versions. Well, if you like each version and you're okay and you're you're okay with the H4 mask, maybe it's not the favorite in your collection, but you got three really good replicas. You're like, hey, you know, I like all three of these. I can't choose just one. I'll just go ahead. Um, I can afford it. I'm just going to plop down and buy all three. And, you know, you have that. But I, I think um, to stay off of a tangent, I think that um, – Really, the biggest complaint is, well, H4 was such a great sequel, ah, I just wish the mask was better. I mean, you hear that a lot. Yeah. You know, you've been a fan forever. I mean, how many times have you either said it or heard that? Uh, countless. Exactly. So, why would anybody else be the same? So, I, I think I can speak from the mask business side of the mask hobby and say that that's why you really didn't see me go beyond uh, the Uncle Shanks that I produce of the H5 for, for a little while is it what the H5 typically is not a good seller outside of, you know, if you get one cassette off of a screen used, I'm not going to go down the road of what I think behind the scenes about certain molds out there. I, I'm not going there. Uh, yeah, but, Exactly. But, you know, but realistically, though, um, you got to look at it from a business perspective and say, what is what is the audience? What is the collector's market? What is the what is the customer want? And typically it, it is H1, H2, followed by the six, followed by either H2O or Resurrection. Take your pick. Um, or it's the Rob Zombie series, you know, because a lot of it was casted off the animatronic head, you know, and we'll probably cover that in long form one day. But when you get into the middle sequels like the H4 and H5, there's love for those movies, but there's not as much love for the mask in those movies. So from a replica standpoint, if you're already doing H1, H2, and that's where the money is, why are you going to sidebar yourself and and pull yourself away from your money market and go out and right field and say, well, I like H4. I'm just going to do an H4 just because, and now you're pulling yourself away from what, what's paying, what's paying your, your fascination with art and, you know, keeping, keeping your side hobby going, you know? And so that's why I don't think that we've seen, uh, you know, to, (laughs) I know I'm going on and on and on, but I, I really think that from the business pers- perspective side, um, there's there's only a few H4s out there, and the ones that are out there are, are really good. So it's like, they're like, well, there's already a really good 
H4 from this person, this person, this person. Why would I want to be the fourth person in line to put one out when person A, B, and C is already doing one and people are buying those out the wazoo? Why, why would any of those people that own those that are considered the next best thing since the hero, why would they buy mine? You know, and there's a lot of that that goes into it. There's there's that side of it, and then there's the business side of it. You know, maybe they don't think that they're going to make a lot with that with that mass, so they decide that they don't want to do it. Or maybe they're only good with one certain type of mask. Like you know, you got the Rob Zombie people that are good with the Rob Zombie stuff, but not necessarily. They're not good with a with a one or a two or a six or an H two O. Their specialty is Rob Zombie, and that's and that's okay. I mean, you do have that as well. Oh yeah. Well, um, I wasn't able to find a, a chronological and kind of um, like you know what, what came out first or whatnot. So I kind of speculated on what might have come out first. I don't know if you've got any insight to it. Um, so I know HSS uh, Horror Sanctum Studios. Um, they had an H4 that Sam McCain uh, sculpted with the screen used in hand. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, have you seen that copy? Mm-hmm. I, I have. I used to be really good friends with Sam. Uh, see, I, I had no idea. I didn't even know they made an H4 because I guess it's it's definitely older stuff. But uh, what, what's your opinion on that one? I always liked it. You know, um the the one thing and you know i got to be real careful how i say this because you know sam was a friend sam is no longer here and i don't want to have anyone listen to this and say man that was that was shitty to say um because i told this to sam straight up when he and i had dinner here in orlando and i told him this again and when we were up at Horror Hound up in Indianapolis. So what I'm about to say is not anything I have that I didn't already say to Sam himself back when we hung out. So uh, with that said, you know, Sam would show me something, and I'm like, hey, man, I really dig that. I, To be honest with you, I just wish that you had better hair on him. You know, like if you had better hair on his uh, McCain H4, I I really think that... um, that would have taken that mask even further because I don't think that we really ever got to see it um, in in its full form the way it the way it should have been seen. So, do I think that if Quiet on the set was finishing those or Sam was able to get his hands on better H4 hair, could that have made those better? Absolutely. But the sculpt itself was great. I liked it. See, but I think the sculpt was fantastic. I feel like it replicated how that screen used mask looked at the time, as opposed to being like a striking resemblance to how we see it on screen. Um, which I mean, if he's using that as a reference, makes a lot of sense. But, uh, I mean, it's especially for it being an older copy. I think it was, uh, it was definitely ahead of its time. Agreed. Um, uh, and to answer your question about the first um, H4 replicas out there, uh, SSN did the Sandman, um, which was the enlarged Sean Clark small. 
Um, and he obviously did a Sandman 78, Sandman 81, and a Sandman 88 off of that. So that was the first. Then when MMP got a hold of the Nightmare Master, uh, they were taking Nightmares and turning them into H4 masks. They would do an H4 version, and they were obviously very, very, very good. Um, and then shortly after that, CGP which we talked about last week, which they did the uncle um, or the George P. It was the GPW. Um, it wasn't the uncle at the time. It was the GPW. Um, yeah. Before SSN did a GPW H6, it was the GPW H4 by CGP. So um, where they did a GPW and that was their H4. And then a couple years after that is when uh, Sam McCain came out with his and then Crow Fader came out with his. Alright, so then I see I had SSN as the next one. Um, they had they had two. They had the return and then the curse, not to be confused with the H six curse. Um, but the return was the was the um, retooled Sandman seventy eight that they just kinda converted into an H four. Yeah. Um, which it, it's weird because when you when you hear SSN, you kind of think, oh, movie mold, because pretty much I'd say a solid seventy five percent of what they put out was usually had lineage to the to the movie mold. Right. Um, do you think that's a product of not knowing where the mask came from? Like why they just in order to get an H four out there, they just converted a a, a Kirk base into it? Yeah, I mean, because you know. During that time that that came out, I mean, they they were the top dog, and um, they wanted to corner as much of the market as they could. And what a better way to do that than, hey, we know we have movie molds, but, hey, we also have a part one, part two, part four uh, to go with our H3 trio that, you know, has lineage, um, to go with our H5 that has direct lineage, to go with our H6s that have direct lineage. So... Really, like when you when you look at it, you know, if you wanted a part one through a part six mask back in the back in that day, SSN was the go to shop to go. Period, hands down. See the, it, I'm not gonna lie, the return does doesn't do much for me. Uh, I feel like it was just to kind of put something out there with the name H four, but. I don't know, to each their own. Um, all right, so then the CGP, the the GPW was the first one, and uh, I know he did like a collaboration where he had signed COAs from George P. Wilbur, um, but supposedly only a, around six masks were made. Is that why? Why wasn't it more produced? Was it because he came out with the uncle right after? Or? Yeah, and. You know, it it could it simply could have been that he knew that the GPW um, was going to be his money maker, mm. and it could have been like a simple deal like I had with Dan Farren's on the uh, Mayhem signature series, uh, which is hey, I'll agree to do ten, um, and then I I want my name taken off of it. But I think what what it was is like, you know, once he was doing those, uh, you know, because you have to remember, like when he came out with that, 
that's you know going back to last week. I mean, when he was getting like two fifty to three hundred emails a day about warlocks. Again, going back to what I said about the business of the mass making business, you're going to ride the hot hand as long as you can. And his mm. hot his hot hand was the warlock and the GPW. I mean, no offense, it it was stark white with camel hair on it, and there really wasn't anything. So he could slap that together real quick. He had a Sign COA with it. Hey, I'll do six. I'll make top dollar off of it. And I'm back to Warlocks, you know. So uh, yeah. I think that they, when they came out, I think they were, they were around four to 450, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, you know, you, you make a quick $2,400. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to bitch too much. You know, it's. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, then he came out with The Uncle. Uh, I know even today, The Uncle is one of the more popular um, H4 masks that you see. He still makes them. And, you know, I know he's got the V1 and the V2. I believe the, the V1 is the, like the quote-unquote, like, hero version, what you see on screen. And then the V2 is the aged, gritty look that some people like. You, don't, you never see the mask super weathered. Right. in the film. So why is that such a popular look with replicas? Um, I, I think a lot of it comes down to other people's pictures of them, you know, because, uh, you know, like not, and this doesn't just pertain to mass collectors in general. I mean, this is society, you know, uh, is it's typically monkey see monkey do. And if somebody mm-hmm. else likes it, well, fuck, I like it. You know, or if somebody takes really good pictures of it, they're like, wow, that looks really good. It puts them in that scene. It puts them in that moment and say, well, if I get one like that, people are going to view me like that. You know, so a lot of it is show and tell in this hobby, which you very well know. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think a lot of it boils down to that. I could be wrong, but... I know that a lot of it stems from that, but personally, I I like I like the Jamie's nightmare scene personally because that's that's typically the mask I see in the movie is that um, where it's just yeah. stark, stark white with black hair or sprayed black hair, um, and that's and that's really all I see. I don't see a really weathered mask, um, which obviously the GPW wasn't, but. Um, you know, we're we're talking about the Uncle V1 V2. The Uncle V1 V2 is going back to more of what we were talking about last week with the Warlock episode. Is everything that Terry produced from a Part Four to uh, you know an H1 with his uh, with his Fear Mask to his Warlock? It all stems from it all stems from the Nemesis. And so if you look at the if you look at the Uncle V1 and V2, look at it closely. It's it's the Nemesis with H4 eye cuts and brows put on it. That's all it is. And yeah. I'm not saying that to be nasty, so if anybody's listening to this and is like feel like that they're that they're going to run and go tell Terry that Chris just bashed him on a show, I I'm not. I I don't have a I don't have an issue with it. I'm just stating that that's that that that's what it is. So for the record, that's that's what it is. And I'm okay with it. I'm just saying that that's where it stemmed from. All right. Well, next 
as you said, came the uh, the fader ones. Uh, start off with the SPH4, which was the direct cast off of um, his screen used mask. Uh, then they followed it up with the Damned 88, which I, in my experience from talking to people, seems to be the most popular um, as far as like regarded as the best H4. Um, it was a cleaned up retool of the SPH4, whereas the the SP was just kind of a rough, you know, all, every blemish and everything was still kind of left behind. They cleaned it up and it came out with the Damned 88. But the Damned 88 was a really small mask, um, so a lot of people couldn't wear them. So then they enlarged it and uh, came out with the 388, which um, the Damned 88 is nice. I think the 388, when they enlarged it, it lost a lot of its detail um, and became kind of, uh, I don't know, the forehead just always loses me when it comes to that. But I think my problem with these masks stems from the fact that while it is cast off a screen-used mask, it looks like the mask, you know, 20-plus years later with with all the sag and everything. When I look at them, I don't see the mask that we see on screen. I agree. So I, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not saying they're not, you know, quality masks. The damn 88 is definitely the most popular one I've seen. Um, it just, it never resonated with me just because I feel like while it does look like, you know, Crowfader's copy, it doesn't necessarily look like what I see on screen. And I know for my collection, I'm always going off after, you know, as close as I can get to what we see in the movie. I agree. Um, so then, all right, so there was a few, uh, a few, I guess, copies that I'd, I'd definitely never heard of, uh, from companies that I'd never heard of. Um, I know the there was a, a mask called the Mask Pro FX Devil's Eyes. Are you familiar with that at all? No, I've never even heard of it. Um, it was made by uh, a guy named Dave Curl from Mask Pro FX. Uh, it, like a lot of the, um, the H4 masks, it was a converted H1 replica. Uh, the majority of them look weird, but there was one picture I found where it looked like startlingly accurate. It was just one of them. So I don't know if it was like a personal copy or, or what, or if it was touched up afterwards, but... There was one copy that looked really good. The rest looked like an H1 that they tried. you tried to turn into an H4. Um, they're also really small, so most people couldn't wear them. So it, it was it was pretty um, apparent that, you know, depending on your copy, you were either getting a dud or, a, you know, a, a great mask. So I think that's probably what led to them not necessarily being around anymore. Yeah, I've you have to shoot me a picture of it. I've I've honestly I've never heard of it, never even heard of the company. Yeah, that's why when I saw it, I was like, uh, "Do you even want me to mention these?" Because <laughs> sure. I've never heard of that company ever. Um, there was also the Night Creeper Studios Red October. Oh yeah! Oh, wow, I haven't heard that mentioned in a long time. Yeah, the uh, it was apparently derived from the CGP Uncle. Yep. Um, uh, I I think the uncle is definitely much better uh, than what I saw out of that. Agreed. Um, but 
and each their own. Uh, then the MCS uh, 88 Foreshadow um, seemed, it, it was one of the more popular masks of its time. Uh, it was, uh, they had the 78 Foreshadow and the 88 Foreshadow, um, which the 88 was much more popular because, once again, the double-edged sword of is it a smart business decision to make a mask that many people don't like, but they kind of capitalized on the fact that there wasn't a ton of replicas. Um, what's your thoughts on the foreshadow? Um, if we're talking about the same one, is that the MCS four? Just, that's, um, that's the main one. I, or, or did they have a, no, have... it's not. This, this was the, the predecessor to it. Mm, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, Oh yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, I I like it. I I think it looks a lot like the Jamie's nightmare scene. So I like it. Do you think it's better than the uh, the regular H four, the just the MCS four? Yeah, I do. Really? Um, I know the the MCS four seems to be a a pretty popular one as far as um, blanks and having them converted by other artists. I feel like I see well, them cheap. pop up on eBay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're also small enough to fit a squirrel, you know. So uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's one of the reasons I don't like them. And uh, I never cared for the nose on the MCS4. Um, it just it looked odd to me, and that was the same thing when you know talking about h2 masks that's the same thing when they came out with their with the mask called the sequel um i mean if you looked at it dead on it wasn't bad especially if the right person wore it but for whatever it's like for whatever reason that nose was always a little weird and then if you looked at it on the profile it looked like it took a frying pan to the face it was flat so it's got like the pug face almost from the side yeah and that's you know, the, the MCS-4 kind of had the same problem going on with it. And I just, I don't know. Like, looking at the pictures of the foreshadow, I, I definitely would have just stayed with that. Because that definitely, I'm seeing a couple pictures here in Google Images. It really looks like um, Jamie's Nightmare. Which is, like I just said earlier, that if something kind of replicates that look, I'm all about it. But Bry's Masks... Uh, Original sculpts typically tended to run a little bit on the small side anyway. Yeah, I, I've seen a few good copies of the MCS4 that were, you know, finished up by other artists, but I definitely agree. It, you know, you've you got to catch the right perfect angle with your camera to really make it look great. But as a whole, if you're staring at the mask, it just, it looks off. And the fact yeah. that it can barely fit on my fist, definitely, especially for a fat head like me. Um, all right, so then we've got the nag uh iterations of the h4 um which he has the the hero h4 and the h88 um i used to own a hero h4 and while i think it's it's strong especially when finished properly there's just i don't there's just something missing i feel like that isn't it doesn't quite capture it that you see on screen. I agree. Um, personally, I liked his H88 better. Um, 
it's not my favorite age four by by any means um, either. But um, guy I used to be friends with, uh, Ron McClellan, Sandman seventy eight on the boards back in the day. He used to have a really nice copy, and he would put that fucker on and take. I mean, he was like a, a filmmaker, made a lot of fan films, took very high end pictures, um, and anytime he suited up in in the authentic coveralls and wore that mask. I mean, he was the only one I saw that made a believer out of me that the H88 was a contender. Um, I was like, wow, it just needs to be finished like that all the time. And there you go. Um, and obviously have him wear it, but you know, yeah. um, yeah, I, but I, out of the two, I, I, I personally, I personally don't really care for the, Hero H4, uh, whatever it's called. Um, I, I like the, I like the H88 better. See, when I, I, I was kind of torn between the two when I first ordered it because even today there's still not a whole lot of H4s for sale. Um, so this was probably about, I want to say five months ago. I was kind of torn between whether to get the H88 or the or the Hero, and I went with the Hero because I feel like it captured the shape of the mask better than the H88. Um, but even this, I, I think both of them kind of lack something that I think one of the, 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 the next companies I'm going to talk about got it right. Um, but yeah, definitely there's something lacking with it. Uh, so then we also have the, our, uh, the Ruby's copy, which I forgot to mention everyone's favorite mask company. And to be fair, okay, do, do I think Ruby's is the be-all, end-all of mass production? Absolutely not. But um, first of all, their H1, I, I found out information, and I don't want to make this a, a long sidebar, but just a quick story. Um, the JTK that Malik still has in his office today... Originally, he wanted to mass produce those with me, and you know, I was working on trying to get something going. But I told him, he's like, the the prototype that I sent him, you know, he um, he asked, is this the size? Is is this the size for a normal sized head that can fit pretty much anyone? And I said, well, I said the copy I sent you, I said is a is a prototype and it's it's smaller, so it would have to be enlarged. I said, but it can be done if this is the route that you're wanting to go. And things kind of died down, and then I saw the rubies come out, and I did a double take because I was like, huh. Not that it looks identical to a JTK by any means, but I'm like, it has a lot of resemblance to it. But uh. um, Wayne Wisnant. Uh, is friends with Jason King, the guy who sculpted that H uh, H one four rubies, and uh, Wayne actually was uh, asking him point blank, "Hey, um, this uh, this mask, it it it, uh, it kind of resembles this." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, uh, "Malik sent me." his mask to sit side by side while I sculpt it. He goes, I try to get as much nuance of it as possible. And I'm like, well, son <laughs> of a bitch, that motherfucker. But, uh, 
but yeah, uh, <laughs> fast forwarding. I, I I mean, I if you look at Kevin King's Ruby's H1 that I rehauled, um, mm-hmm. it actually looks really good when it's when it's done upright. I mean, is it perfect? Absolutely not. But is is it the worst pile of shit on the planet that everyone rips it for? No. Um, same with their H4. Do I think it's the most accurate thing on the planet? No, because the latex that they use is shit. It doesn't hold its shape. And I think that if if they just used competent latex that held its shape, you know, and I'm about to put this other company over, like Tots does, you could fold Tots um, masks in half and put them under a book for three weeks and come out and just pop them out and they'll pop right out and um, they look perfect. So I think that, I think that the mass production of the Ruby's H4 and the 78 for, for that matter really hampered what those masks really could be um, and how they could be viewed had the mass production just been better. I mean, not to mention the the hair that is falling out as you carry it to the. Well, the I was trying hour. to avoid the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it. It's not the biggest turd I've seen. Um, I think that would go to that Rob Zombie copy. I think they did. That's definitely the biggest turd I've ever seen. Um, but we'll move on to the uh, the HH Pro. From our good friend Matt Reed, do you have? Uh, I'm sure you probably have more insider information on that than I do. It sucks. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Matt knows how I feel about his H4. I I had the distinct pleasure to convert a couple of them, and uh, not well, not convert. I, okay. I I typically go off on people and correct them in public when they call a mass conversion a conversion when it should just be a repaint, rehair, or just a paint up. <laughs> uh, because a conversion is taking a Captain Kirk and bringing it into Michael Myers. You know, taking an already made Michael Myers mask and repainting it and rehair it is not a conversion. So I typically tease those people and I just walked right into my own tease. So, hey, joke's on me. But uh, But with that being said... Um, yeah, you know, we all know that, uh, that Matt got the, um, got the smaller casting of the original HMK, um, and that he's been able to, to come out with a few masks on a few different versions. And, um, you know, he's done some really, really good things with the different retools and there's different things that he's working on that, I'm not at liberty to discuss, but, uh, you know, he's got some really cool things coming down the pike, but this is about his H4, his H4, I think, um, I understand. And I've actually talked to him about this. I said, you know, if you had just sculpted those eyes a little bigger and just went for accuracy, um, to the screen, I said, this thing would be over the top. You know, I think his current retool that he's working on to improve it is V2, um, version of his V4, V4, V2, whatever. V4, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I think that 
his newer version looks even better. But, you know, when I asked him about, hey, why didn't you sculpt the eyes a little bigger? And he actually explained it. He said, well, I wanted to be able to have, like, um, a drugstore, like a Vincent Drug Kirk, uh, halfway converted, like, with the smaller eyes, so I could paint one up like that. And if somebody wanted to make bigger eye cuts, you know, there's not already pre-made eye cuts so big that you can't do anything with them or reshape them. And I just thought that that was really clever, you know. And I was like, you know, now now I understand what you were going for, and I completely get it. And I totally 100% agree with what he did. And I think that's pretty awesome. It's it's a it's a versatile piece, and I think you know when it's when it's done up, um, painted, adhered, and photographed correctly. I mean, it's a it's a pretty hard mask to beat, to be honest with you. See, yeah, I definitely I agree with that. I love that pretty much every mask that Matt comes out with, he's got like eight versions of each, and I always think that's so cool because it's it's fun with having all the different possibilities and seeing it in like a bunch of different finishes and going for different scenes. And, uh, I, I didn't know that about the eyes cause I always felt the eyes were small, but that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's, it's like basically, Hey, here's, here's a conversion mask without it being a full conversion mask. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, it, it was, it was really genius. And I, I don't think anybody else has done it that way. Um, well, to segue into my next one, uh, the AHGH4. Um, I think that Mike did it kind of similar with uh, how he's got, he's got, I think, four or five different versions. The first one he ever released was a, a Small Eyes Vincent Drugs uh, copy. So he's kind of been doing the same thing where, you know, he's got the, uh, the, the Small Eyes version, he's got the um, promo version from Fangoria, uh, replicating that mask. He's got the uh, a stunt version, which is meant to replicate um, the stunt mask. And then he's got the hero version. Uh, I know there's another version coming out. Um, I think he's coming out with a kind of like the Uncle V2 with like that, that really weathered up look. Um, but it's, it's another thing that I love is the versatility of it. Absolutely. I, uh, every copy I've, I've seen, and I, the most recent one was the one pictures that you sent me earlier. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've always been a fan of Mike's work and he and I don't talk anymore because of, uh, you know, he's been covered in multiple episodes, but, uh, Dick Clutch or Frankie Spradlin, um, you know, basically ruined that friendship just like he ruined a lot of other friendships with me but i always had a lot of respect for mike as an artist and i still to this day really uh, you know when when mike is on and mike wants to really put something out he's still to this day very very tough to beat when it comes to anything that he does the fact that he's sculpting now um versus just getting blanks in you know that's a that's a feat un, all unto itself um and you know you gotta you gotta respect that and um he's been doing this the longest it was when it comes to conversion artists uh, i think his first conversion was back in 2004 so uh and he was the first artist to ever do a conversion so i i think the fact that he's out sculpting and doing different things, things that make him happy. Uh, he's always been one of those that like me, 
burns out um, and needs to take a hiatus for a little while and come back recharged. But every time he's come back recharged, he's come back and started knocking things out of the park. And to see that he's going to the production line and basically going and sculpting when he's not finishing things, it's very therapeutic and it helps uh, get the creative juices flowing again. And I'm, and I'm speaking for myself. But, you know, to make a long story short, um, yeah, it, his is really, really tough to beat as well. There's there's a lot of really good replicas out there, and that's what I was saying when we first got on the phone, is, you know, if everybody just drops their veils and stops trying to take sides and stops trying to pander to the politically correct crowd and all that shit, just, just buy what you want. I mean... Everybody's going to own something from from everybody. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not today, but you know, eventually when they save back up and they're getting a crave for something else, eventually they're going to make their way around. And if there's no veils that they have to hide behind, then everybody wins. And I just, again, I don't understand why it's got to be so divisive and such a negative side, you know, and... Yeah, I I I really dig his stuff, um, and I I really dig his H four. I agree. I think I think right now Mike is at the top of his game. Um, he he sculpted that the SL Kirk, which I I love, um, and then I know he made the H four was a retool of that Kirk. Uh, I actually received my copy of the the H four Hero version, not. 10 minutes before I, uh, I got on the phone with you to, uh, to record this episode. And it's, it's amazing. Um, I know a lot of people have been going crazy about it because there hasn't really been a, a new H4 in quite some time. Probably, I guess the, the nag ones were the last, uh, I think the nag hero was the last like big H4 iteration to come out. And, uh, you know, those have been around for a while. So this really got people excited and, um, I'm telling you, getting those, getting these H4s, it's like the goddamn Hunger Games on his eBay account since he doesn't, he doesn't do orders for them. So you have to set the alerts and camp out. And I'm telling you, he puts them up and within minutes they're gone. Um, so I think that's really speaks volumes for the quality of the work. And I'll tell you in person, it does not disappoint. It is absolutely, in my opinion, the best H4 replica I've seen. Um, the first time I saw it, uh, when he first posted his first one, I, I remember messaging a bunch of people and be like, holy crap, this thing's a game changer because I'd never seen an H4 mask to this date that had really captured that, the essence of that movie. And I think this was the first one that really did it. So um, so kudos to Mike. Um, and it's it's awesome to see him killing it. Absolutely. And again, I don't have any issues with him. I, I think a lot of of him, you know, it goes back to days when he was the, you know, the, the popular person to attack, uh, way back when, you know, he's a very, a very behind the scenes guy, doesn't like to talk to very many people. And if somebody that he's known for a long time has basically said, Hey, you know, this person's a POS or whatever like that. He tends to just like, Hey, I don't want to get involved and just stays away from pretty much everybody at that point. I don't have any issues with him. I've always enjoyed my my interactions with him. I've always respected him as an artist. 
I've always put him over every chance I get. Um, I've always, I've always really liked him, and um, you know, I do miss talking to him. So, um, I don't think he's listening to this, but in case he is, you know, Mike, I have a lot of respect for you, and, and I hope one day that you know we can we can chat again. Yeah, Mike's a great guy. Um, I talk to him on occasion. Uh, he, he's sculpting something new, so I'm definitely excited to see what whatever that ends up being. Um, but I have a question for you. The uh, you you said earlier that Uh-oh. you don't see you don't see a lot of Kirk features in the the some of the pictures of the H four mask. So how come do you do you think that a lot of the best replicas come from Kirk bases? Um, again, there's some promo shots and some shots in the movie that doesn't have Kirk features. I go to the Jamie's nightmare scene, which to me looks like a Kirk. Yes. So anytime, so anytime you have a Kirk base that is turned into an H4, it replicates to me anyway, it replicates that scene. So, when I say that I don't see a lot of Kirk features, it, I'm, I'm talking about throughout like a majority of the film or a lot of the promo shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I could sit here and I could say at the 38 time, minute time mark, I, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I haven't watched H4 since probably September. So, um, and before that, it was a couple years before that. But bottom line is, is, you know, that scene, the Jamie's nightmare scene, nails the H four for me. That's what I'm always trying to achieve, and um, and when I look at that, that has Kirk features, and I think that that's why Kirk base sculpts or retools or whatever to turn into an H four always comes out looking the best because of that fact that that it's it's triggering my my interest and my like uh what i see in an h4 that's me okay um yeah that's that's about it that i had for uh as far as replicas that i know of is there any that i missed not that i know of um i'm sure if we missed one we will hear it and we can we can cover it on the next one yeah no, I, I think there's it's actually kind of staggering um, how few H4 replicas, especially considering there was a few niche ones in there that weren't really big. Um, I, I wish we would have saw a WMP H4, though. Well, I had the mo- Oh, there is one. <laughs> uh, Bill Miller, Night Stalker, Night Stalker Productions. Um, well, actually, there's two that we can talk that we missed. Uh, mm. One he came out with last fall, the October 88, um, which is posted in B-Man Gems Group, uh, Michael Myers Mask Collectors. Um, he's got one in there right now. You can go see if you haven't seen it. Um, really? Yep. Yeah, but his first one that he did was back in 2009, uh, which was the Malevolence uh, H4 that uh, he sculpted from ground up. Not entirely the most accurate, but I've been able to. I actually bought the mold off of him 
at one point. Um, I've since sold the mold, and you, you'll see them on eBay, blanks pop up and stuff that whoever owns it at this point. Uh, but, you know, it that, that, that was another one that was decent. I always wanted to do a retool of it, um, but... I just never got around to it. Like about the time I was really interested in doing a retool, that was when I was out, 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 and I had uh-huh. no, I had no interest. And at that point, I was just selling things off. That I'm like, hey, I'm gonna keep the ones that are near and dear to me, but anything that I've done post 2013, um, I'm I'm dropping like a bad habit, and that's not because I thought any less of the sculpt it's just i'm like well nobody really ever wanted these when i when i was producing them so mm-hmm. it's going to be the first to go yeah i'm looking at it right now um it's definitely interesting uh I which feel one like with the, the, few part, the, the malevolence oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I feel like with a few like tweaks it could be like phenomenal agreed and but it's so those are the, nice. The, no, yeah, it's very nice. I agree. Um, malevolence. I, I've heard of that, but I forgot about it. I completely forgot about it. And when I was researching, I didn't see anything on it. Um, I will link you right now as we're talking. No time like the present. And then I got to go because I have to go eat. Uh, yeah. But... Uh, Anyway, now now you've seen the malevolence. Um, anything else you want to add about that, or do you want to work on wrapping up? No, the malevolence. Uh, it's it's definitely really good. Um, it's better than a lot of the copies that I've seen of uh, different these these different H four replicas. That's strong. I'm surprised I hadn't heard more about that. It's not really talked about because you know uh, Bill's not exactly the political darling. Um, <laughs> so God that runs everything in this hobby. It does. It just it just it fucks everything and everybody. And what's even worse is people not being able to just turn around and say, you know what, you don't like that person, that's on you. But if you're gonna judge me for liking a mask they put out or buying a mask they put out, then fuck off. <laughs> you know, seriously. I mean, how hard is it to say that? I mean, it's Facebook. Yeah. Tell someone to fuck off. I do it all the time. <laughs> you know, he's <and> not kidding. <laughs> believe me, I love it. It's not because I enjoy being a dick. It's just I like being able to like when someone is trying to sway you one way or another. I'm like, dude, go fuck yourself. And I hit the block button because I don't have time for it. <laughs> nah, it saves you a lot of stress in your life, though. It does. I mean, it, I I think that needs to be a shirt. So if Ryan Hogel's listening, I think we just need to to get a shirt that just exemplifies "fuck off," you know, or "mind your own business." <laughs> you know, he'll come up with something cool to make it really cool. But seriously, fuck off. Go fuck I'm yourself. I'm gonna say that's gonna be a bestseller. That's gonna be a bestseller right there. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh, I'll have to message him and say, dude, you have to listen to this episode. <laughs> Stay with it all the way to the end because you're missing, uh, you're, you're, you're mentioned, and you're being called to action. I was going to say, this is a golden ticket right here. Absolutely. 
like the old Steve Austin shirt, fuck fear, drink beer, or something like that, you know? <laughs> yep, he, yep. Could do, he could do a different Except variant. The, the you is the skull, yeah. Yep, <laughs> exactly. All right, man, well, um, we will get together maybe tomorrow or next week and record the lineage chart episode, but I do got to go. So uh, anything, anything you want to close with? Uh, no, just thanks for having me. I always have fun with this. Me too, and it seems like that you're a pretty popular co-host because every time you're on an episode dude uh we have record numbers so what can i say controversy creates cash there you go all right brother well you have a good night and uh we will talk with you soon sounds good have a good one later